This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the February 10th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Yes, I'm on vacation, but I didn't want to go two straight weeks without uh, releasing an episode, so I took a couple hours and actually uh, worked today just looking up, uh, handicapping some events for this weekend and for Wednesday night uh, that I really like here, so I did want to release a quick episode. Um, this is kind of like the new year for sports me- for people in sports media. I mean, the new year obviously ends at the uh, at the end of the December, but it always kind of feels like the Super Bowl kind of feels like New Year's Eve night, and then the week after we all just take a deep breath, and then we dive back into it until like the dog days of summer when MLB is the only sport that's on, obviously with golf and UFC, but this is kind of my off-season. I have like a one-week off-season. I take two weeks off a year, one week right after the Super Bowl, and then one other week sometime in the summer, and then those two weeks are the two weeks where I just completely take off. I, I barely look at Twitter or try not to. Um, I don't do any work whatsoever, so this is that week. So I'm not going anywhere, obviously. I had people DM me, Ian, where are you going on vacation? Nowhere. Obviously, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Uh, I'm not rich enough to go to a private island like the Kardashians and just completely buy my way out of any uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, regulations. So I'm stuck home. I'm just going to visit some family. And then when I'm home, I'm just uh, drinking, doing drugs, and doing everything possible that's not look at social media. Because social media, if you have to look at it every day, all day, like I have to for my job, it gets a little hard on the noggin. So no social media for me this week, or at least very, very little. Video games, I'll watch some sports, uh, go outside for a change, visit some friends, visit some family, get my little bit of a mental reset, and then I dive back into it headfirst next week, um, and then we get ready for March Madness, and then NBA, NHL Finals. And usually the summer would be slow, but this year there might be the Olympics, and then there's the Euros as well, so um, I don't even know how much of a break I'll get this summer before we get right back into the football season. Um, but yeah, this is my vacation week, but uh, like I said, a couple events that I really like that I wanted to give a quick little breakdown for, um, but I'm not editing this, this episode whatsoever. So this is straight one record, no edits, no cuts. I'm not even going to put in the theme song. I just wanted to, I took the three or four hours it took to handicap these events. I'm recording it, my thoughts, no editing, and then I'm just going to upload it right on there. And then you guys will have this available to listen to on Wednesday. 
Uh, so this is all I got for you for this entire week. I might tweet out a couple round plays, like three ball uh, bets during the golf tournament. But other than that, I'll be pretty, uh, I'll be, I'll be disappeared off the Twitter, the Twitter sphere. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, so I got AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am uh, picks for that and my breakdown for that. Uh, UFC 258 this weekend. And then on Wednesday night, two games that I really, really love. One in college basketball, Iowa against Rutgers and the other in the NHL, uh, the Maple Leafs against the Canadians. So without any further ado, I mean, I guess let's just get into it. Like I said, I'm not editing this. I'm not putting in the theme song. So let's just sing the theme song together. Too much bacon for the pan to handle. Too much bacon for the pan to handle. All right, there you go. Here we are. <laughs> Welcome to the February 10th episode. Let's get into it. The AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, even though it's not a Pro-Am this year, just like the American Express uh, a few weeks ago, they're not doing the amateur portion of the event. And they're also uh, cutting it down from three courses to two courses like they have uh, the previous few events as well. So Pebble Beach, obviously everyone knows Pebble Beach. If you've ever swung a golf club uh, before in your life, you know where Pebble Beach is. And then Spyglass Hill uh, is the other course that they're doing on either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so you can just disregard uh, Spyglass Hill. Just going to focus on Pebble Beach since it's three of the four events. Uh, Dustin Johnson was set as a huge favorite, like four to one, which was insane for this event. But then he actually just withdrew, uh, I think, the this morning, Tuesday morning. So Patrick Cantley, the betting favorite, plus 750. Then you got Berger, Casey, Zalatoris, Day, Molinari, Francesco Molinari. It's good to see him uh, kind of get back into the mix of things there a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then Spieth, who had a, a great first three days of the tournament last week. That was good to see. Always like uh, golf is funner when when Spieth is good. And then Max Homa, Sam Burns, Siwoo Kim, the list goes on. Um, really like my pick for this week. But before I get into the pick, uh, I'll just give you kind of my key stats for the Pebble Beach. But, I mean, if you've ever bet on any event at the Pebble Beach, including the U.S. Open, when was it, 2019 U.S. Open, when Gary Woodland won, you kind of know what to expect. This is the definition. If you look up... Uh, in the dictionary what a ball strikers golf course is you will see a picture of pebble beach um only 7,000 yards long even though it's a par 72 but guys for the majority of the time won't really be using driver three wood if not iron off the tee placement off the tee is absolutely necessary distance isn't really going to help you out and actually in some holes just distance is going to hurt you you're going to put it over a cliff um, so guys who are good with their irons are first and foremost. So, um, I'm, ball striking, I'm putting as the first key stat since that kind of combines total driving with greens and regulation strokes gained off the tee, not worried about it. Driving distance, not worried about it. Driving accuracy, not really worried about it. Uh, ball striking take takes in total driving. So that's good enough for looking off, off the tee, th- uh, off the tee stats. And then strokes gained approaching the green, I mean, that should be the first and foremost uh, biggest stat that you should look at this week and the one that you should put the most value behind. Um, and then another thing that, that you have to know for Pebble Beach is they have the smallest greens on the PGA Tour, the smallest greens. So because of that, um, play around the greens is going to be important too. So scrambling percentage, strokes gained around the tee, and then finally strokes gained putting. So three stats focused just on the short game, and then we got ball striking and strokes gained approaching the green. Um, but I think first and foremost, I think good iron players, and then right behind that, just below iron play is going to be the short game and scrambling play. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, also that the, the greens are the... Uh, I say Poa Annua every single time, and then I hear them talk about it during the broadcast. And I'm like, oh, right, that's how you say it. And then the next week I go to say it again, and I forget how it's pronounced. Poa, it's Poana. 
Poana greens. I think that's how you actually pronounce I think it's Poana greens. So those West Coast greens look for guys who golf well, who putt well on those greens because I think these are, this is like one of the last courses on the PJ Tour schedule that uses purely Poana greens, or at least that's what I found out. Um, all right, let's get on my pick. I love this pick for this week. This is a guy who I've seen a lot of people on recently in recent events. I've kind of held off on him because uh, he's a first-year tour pro, but I have been watching him. I've been keeping an eye on him. And I think in a somewhat weaker field here, I think this is the perfect opportunity for him, for him to get his first PGA Tour win. And that's Will Zalatoris. Um, 24 years old, first year on the PGA Tour as a professional uh, highly touted prospect. He's already flirted with victory on several occasions. Tied for seventh finish at Farmers Insurance Open. What was he last week? He was like 12th or something last week. Um, he's played in eight events as a professional and he's only missed the cut once and he's finished in the top 20 six times. So finishing in the top 20 in six of your first eight starts on PJ Tour, not a bad start to his career. Uh, but the best part of his game, and which is why I like him so much this week, is his iron play. His game is picture perfect for Pebble Beach. He ranks fourth in, on the tour in strokes gained approaching the green, and his play around the greens has been pretty good as well. He ranks 26th in scrambling, tied for 57th in strokes gained around the green. Uh, decent putter. That probably would be his one weakness. A little bit would be, would be his putting. Um, but like I said, in a weaker field, he is, uh, at least when you look at the stats for the season, he's first in the field this week in uh, those approaching the green categories. So uh, if his iron play keeps up this week, I think this is a fantastic value bet. 19 to 1, I think is great value. Like I said, the field isn't very strong. Patrick Hanley's the favorite, and for good reason. I mean, yeah, I would set him as the favorite too. And then you got Daniel Berger, Paul Casey in front of him. They, I mean... Yeah, Casey's played well recently, especially in the European Tour. Berger's been kind of hit or miss so far um, uh, in 2021. So, I mean, Zalatoris, 19-1. to 1. I love that value. I think he can get his first PJ Tour win here. So, that's my first pick. And I got a little bit of a dark horse pick here for you guys as well. Henrik Norlander. If you want to do a little bit of a dark horse, he's available at 43-1. to 1. You might be able to get him. Uh, top 10, top 20. I'll probably play him top 10 as well. Uh, but he's quietly been on a little bit of a hot streak and no one's really talking about it. Top 22 and three straight events. Tied for second finish at the Farmers Insurance Open just a couple weeks ago. And then much like Zalatoris, uh, Norlander has, is great with his irons. He ranks 13th in ball striking, 32nd in strokes gained approach the green. Um, he also had a 25th place finish at this event last year. And he's also made the cut in three of his four times playing at Pebble Beach. So he's played here well in the past. He's in great form. He has good iron play. Uh, so a little bit of a dark horse pick there. Henrik Norlander, 43-1. to 1. I'm going to take him top 10 as well. Uh, so there you have it. That's my quick little breakdown, betting preview, key stats, and picks for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Always one of the more fun tournaments to watch on the schedule. We're kind of getting into the meat of the PGA Tour season now. Uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open is always like the first event where guys start to play and start to kind of uh, warm up for the majors. Uh, I mean, we're only, what, like two months away from the Masters again, right? March and then April? Is it in April again this year? I assume so. So, yeah, we're, we're getting right into the thick of the PGA Tour season. I absolutely love it. Um, I've been, I've been, I'm happy with how, I, with how I've bet recently. I think, I think I've made smart bets. Uh, a couple, uh, like, like I've said, late tournament collapses have kind of hurt a couple outrights, but I mean, that's sports betting and that's golf. So I'm, I think I've been seeing the, the, the field pretty clearly. So I, I love those two pet, those two picks for this weekend in Zalatoris and Norlander. All right, let's get to this weekend's UFC card. Once again, we're flying through it. No edits, nothing. All in one take. 
258. Um, Kamaro Usman against Gilbert Burns. Uh, for the welterweight title, obviously, Usman's a champ. He's listed as a pretty heavy favorite in the main event, minus 290. Gilbert Burns coming back at plus 225. Um, and really for good reason. I mean, Usman had hardly been challenged his entire UFC career. Undefeated in the UFC, his only loss as a professional was his second fight ever. Um, the only guy who really challenged him was Colby Covington, who then he ended up beating anyways uh, by TKO in like the last minute of the fight. So... Uh, he's a favorite for good reason, but Gilbert Burns, man, this is this is going to be a tough matchup for him because Gilbert Burns is a very similar style of fighter as Usman, um, and actually they're teammates. If you if you hadn't heard, these two guys were teammates for like eight years. They used to spar all the time, uh, so these these two guys know each other very well. And I've read a couple rumors, and I I mean this isn't from verified sources, um, that Gilbert Burns got the better of Usman when when they used to spar. Um, I have no idea if it's true. It's not from a verified source whatsoever, but that's basically enough for me to want to take a shot on him at plus 225. And I've said this in the past with my UFC picks. I don't know why, but I love betting underdogs in the UFC. Um, so, I mean, the fact that Gilbert Burns is plus 225, I hear he got the better of Usman when they used to spar back from their teammates. Um, and also, I mean, a big advantage Usman has over almost all of his opponents is his grappling. He oak grapples just about everyone. The only guy he couldn't really oak grapple was uh, Covington. Um, but now he's got Gilbert Burns, who is a multiple-time IBJFF. Is that is that the right um, uh, the right letters? The yeah IBJJF uh, Jiu-Jitsu World Champion, both in gi and in no gi. So I mean, it's gonna good luck trying to oak grapple that guy. So Burns, I think, has a good defense for Usman's grappling I think both guys are very even I think it should the odds should be closer to pick him I think there is value on Gilbert Burns at plus 225 uh, once again maybe that's just because I love betting on underdogs maybe I just want to believe the rumor that he outspired Usman when they were teammates but I'll take a shot Gilbert Burns in the UFC 258 main event at plus 225 uh, the co-main event Macy Barber against Alexa Grasso so this is this might be my favorite bet in the UFC um, dating back to I don't know I don't know when the last time I liked a UFC bet this much, but I love this one. If I ever think that there's a lock, this has got to be a lock. Macy Barber is an underdog in this fight, plus 110? This makes no sense. If anyone remembers Macy Barber, she was like a highly, highly touted UFC prospect. And then last March, was it? She fought Roxanne Modafferi, and she closed as a minus 1,000 favorite over Roxanne. Uh, and then she lost. She, she lost as a minus 1,000 favorite. Big part of that, though, is because, like, her knee just busted up. Is either at the end of the first round or end of the second round. She may not have won if her, or she may not have lost. She may not have won anyways if her knee didn't get hurt. But that certainly played a role in that fight. But that was that was her first loss of, of her MMA career. Uh, before that uh, loss to Roxanne Modafferi, she uh, finished, I think she has eight wins, and seven of them have come uh from finishes three straight TKO finishes in the UFC, which I mean, finishing that many fights is almost unheard of in the women's divisions. Uh, so she's legit, a very, very good fighter. Um, and now she's going up against Alexa Grasso and Alexa Grasso, like hasn't won more than one fight in a row in her UFC career yet. Like she's when she won her first one, then lost and won, then lost and won, then lost then won. So if she does win this fight, it'll be her first fight win streak ever. But like, I don't get why she's the favorite over Barber. Barber, the the issue and why she kind of outside of the knee injury, why she lost to Modafari there last year was um, her wrestling got exposed a little bit. Um, and Alexa Grasso is not a wrestler though. These two fighters are going to stand and stri- uh, strike in this co-main event. Uh, Grasso averages like point 
uh, like 0.3 takedowns per 15 minutes. Yeah, 0.32 takedowns per, uh, per 15 minutes. So uh, less than half a takedown per 15 minutes. Takedown accuracy of 40%. This fight's not go- going to the floor, and that's the only way that Macy Barber has lost. So Macy Barber, three straight TKO finishes before that loss to Modafari. This seems like it, one of the easiest bets ever. I have no idea why Macy Barber's a plus one in 10 underdog. So no-brainer, Macy Barber, plus 110 in the UFC 258 co-main event. And then one more pick for UFC. Um, Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum, minus 220 against Ian Heinish. Um, eating the juice on this one, not taking the underdog like I did the two last two fights. Kelvin Gastelum, minus 220. Probably, it's a two-unit play. This one's easy, in my opinion. This screams, this is just a get-right fight. The UFC, what they like to do with their top guys, their, their top fighters, their championship-level guys, their guys who they find are the most um, uh, marketable, is if they go on a little bit of a losing streak when they're fighting the top guys in their division, um, they'll give themselves, a, they'll schedule the guys a get-right fight so they can just get back in the win column. That's what this is for Gaslam. Gaslam fought uh, Adesanya, and then he fought Till, and he fought uh, Hermanson. Three very, very, very good fighters in the UFC division. Uh, lost all three. One of them was by split. Um, but he's still one of the top fighters, so the UFC has kind of th- thrown him a bone here. Uh, to get him back in the win column against Ian Heinish, who I've been on in the past. I like him, but he's just not even close to the skill level of Gastelum. Um, if this fight like took place before Gastelum's losing streak, Gastelum would be like a minus 500, minus 600 favorite. We're getting better value on him just because of his recent uh, losing streak. Uh, but I'm not going to put too much value on this. I, 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 I love Gastelum here. I think it's a get-right spot for him. Um, yeah, and Heinish, he just, he's just not on this level. He just isn't. He's like a 15th rank guy, and that's kind of where he belongs. So, uh, Kelvin Gaslam, minus 220. Eat the juice. That's a two-unit play. Um, and then let's move on to Wednesday night's action here. Um, one college basketball play and one uh, NHL play. Two picks that, I very, 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 that I'm very, very, very confident in for tonight's action. I'm going to start in the college basketball game. Uh, Iowa against Rutgers. Big, uh, big 10 matchup here. Um, I was on Rutgers last week against Ohio State, but if you guys watched that video on Twitter, it's because I faded myself. I loved Ohio State. Um, I wanted to try to fade myself, so I went with Iowa, and then Ohio State won outright. So uh, fading myself didn't work, so I'm back on to just betting what I actually think is the right bet. Because that night, if I would have just made my own picks, I would have went 2-1. and one. Of course, I tried to fade myself, went 1-2, and two, but whatever. I love Iowa here. They have been on a rough streak lately. They lost four of their last five games. I think they get back on track here, but I'm not just betting on them because it's like, Oh, yeah, they're due. No, it's not that. Reasons why I like this pick. Iowa has had some real trouble on defense, especially their um, perimeter defense. Their interior defense is still pretty good. They're good at defending down low, and this is one of the reasons why I like them in this spot because Rutgers is like a down low team. Uh, They play right into Iowa's strength. So Rutgers is 47th in two-point shot rate. Iowa is... 96th in opponent field goal percentage, but 61st in opponent two-point field goal percentage. So 96th in overall opponent field goal percentage, 61st in opponent two-point field goal percentage, and then just uh, for comparison, they're 256th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. So, I mean, those are the numbers right there. They're bad against teams um, who shoot the three ball a lot. They're good against teams that shoot down low and Rutgers is 47th and two point shot rate. So they are not a team that's going to throw a lot of, uh, shoot a lot of three balls against Iowa. So that's a plus right there. Iowa also has a rebounding advantage. They're a hundredth and rebounding percentage compared to Rutgers at 150th. 
and then finally, a big part of Rutgers' success, other than shooting it down low, is they're able to force turnovers. So they're 24th in the country right now in steals per game. But, but, Iowa, first, yes, first in turnovers per possession. So they commit a turnover on just 13% of possessions. That is the lowest mark in the country. So for Rutgers to have success against teams, they have to be able to shoot the ball well down low, and they have to be able to force turnovers. Well, Iowa has very good interior defense, and they don't turn the ball over. So Rutgers' strengths are going right up against Iowa's defensive strengths. So I like Iowa in this matchup quite a bit. Um, also, Rutgers is generally, I don't have any numbers for this, but I, or at least I don't have them written down in my notes. They're, Rutgers hasn't been good on the road so far this season. Uh, let me see if I can quickly look this up here. Um, but from my memory, last time I handicapped Rutgers, they are significantly worse on the road. Uh, I'm going to look at shooting percentage here and see how much that dips from at home. Yeah, so they shoot 47.9% from the field at home. That drops down to 43.8% um, on the road. So almost a 5% difference in their shooting percentage. Um, and I wonder if I'll see the same thing if I look at their opponent shooting percentage numbers. Uh, Rutgers... Yeah, it's a uh, difference, not as significant, but they allow teams to shoot 41.4% against them at home, and that goes up to 43.4, so 2% difference. Teams are shooting 2% better against them uh, when Rutgers is playing on the road. So um, for all those reasons, I absolutely love my boy Luca Garza and the Iowa Hawkeyes to get back uh, in the win column tonight here, and I think they'll cover as well. It's a six. I got it at 6 points, uh, minus 6 at minus 110. Uh, look at that, we're whipping through this episode. This is going to be like 25 minutes max. All right, and then my final pick for Wednesday, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. Now, I know automatically you're thinking, Ian, you are definitely going to take the Maple Leafs. We don't even need to listen to this. Well, you'd be wrong. I hate to do this. I really, really do. It sickens me to do this, but I have to put my fandom aside here. I love the Canadians in this spot. It's a, I got to that a pick them, so minus 110 for the Canadians. They're at home. Les habitants. Uh, if you don't... If you don't know why they're called the Habs, it's because their their team in what is that used to be called Les Habitants, or is that just what they're called in in Montreal? I don't know, but that's where Habs come from. But I love them against my Maple Leafs, and it kills me to say it, but the Maple Leafs are on a very good high. I mean, they I tweeted it on Monday night. They have the most points in the NHL. Start planning the parade route. But the non fan uh, part of me, the uh, part of me that's looking at just the numbers. Uh, they've been very lucky playing against teams who are awful in their own end recently, uh, the Canucks and the Oilers. If the Leafs play against teams that, that are bad in their own end, they're just going to overpower them with their offensive skill and talent. But when they go up against a team that is good in their own end, like the Canadians, they get in trouble. Um, so yeah, love the Canadians here, minus 110 at home. They're fifth in 5-on-5 Corsi percentage. Uh, Corsi percentage, love or hate that stat. I personally love it. Um, but they're fifth in five on five Corsi percentage. Maple Leafs are 11th Canadians. This, this is what sticks out to me even more. Canadians are first in five on five high danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. And that's terrible news for a Leafs team. That is abysmal in their own end. Leafs are eighth last in opponent high, high danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. So I expect the Canadians get a lot of high danger scoring chances, which usually result in goals. And also, by the way, the Canadians, like I said, they're very good in their own end. They're sixth in opponent high danger scoring chances. So Canadians have played very well this year, which is surprising me. I didn't think they were going to be this good. Um, but they're good defensively. They're very good offensively. Um, and they should be able to slow down the Leafs' offense and then make some offense of their own, um, considering how bad the Leafs are in their own end. So there you go, friends. 
little 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 special vacation edition, little bite-sized edition of the Bacon Bets podcast. Uh, all done within 25 minutes. So I'll just quickly go over everything I'm betting on here just to give a complete and total recap. Uh, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I like Will Zalatoris. Um, what did I say his odds were? 18-1, to 19-1? to 1. Uh, Will Zalatoris, 19-1. to 1. Henrik Norlander, 43-1. to 1. And also Henrik Norlander, top 10. Don't have the odds on that yet. My book didn't have those released, but once they are, I'll, I'll be placing that bet. Um, and then UFC, I like Gilbert Burns plus 225 in the main event. I like love, love, love Macy Barber plus 110 in the co-main event. And I also love uh, Kel- Kelvin Gastelum minus 220 against Ian Heinish uh, on the main card as well. And then finally for Wednesday's action, I like Iowa minus 6 against Rutgers. And the Canadians, les habitants, minus 110 as a pick'em against my poor, poor Maple Leafs on Wednesday night. All right, I'm going to go crack another beer, enjoy the rest of my vacation. You may see me tweet once or twice uh, this week, but probably probably not. It'll be pretty limited, but I'm very excited to rest up, give my brain a little break from social media, and then next week I'll be diving headfirst back into college basketball. As we lead into March Madness, I'll be diving headfirst into PGA every week, UFC, NHL, and I'll probably uh, be betting a little bit of NBA as well since I've had some uh, some success with it the past couple of weeks. So uh, I love you all. I hope you enjoy this week. Um, fuck, fuck the Buccaneers. Uh, fuck Tom Brady. Um, fuck the Chiefs for losing that Super Bowl and uh, making my night absolutely miserable. But like I said, it is this is basically Super Bowl night is basically the New Year's Eve for sports media. It's a new year. I'm going to be feeling fresh. I don't right now, but I'm only on my first official day of vacation. Next week, I'll be refreshed. I'll be ready to go. I can't wait. March Madness is going to be fun this year. I love you all. Best of luck with your bets this week. I will talk to you next week. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.